A quick content warning. This episode is about growing up. We touch on some of the heartaches and struggles that go along with growing up in a society that sees you as other. The discussion contains some harsh language. Sometimes one person inspires a movement, or her words do a decade later. Sometimes a few passionate people change the world. Sometimes they start a mass movement and millions do. Sometimes those millions are stirred by the same outrage or the same ideal, and change comes upon us like a change of weather. All that these transformations have in common is that they begin in the imagination, to hope. To hope is to gamble. It's to bet on the future, on your desires, on the possibility that an open heart and uncertainty is better than gloom and safety. Rebecca Solnit, Hope in the Dark. I'm ambivalently yours, and this is season two of Rebelliously Tiny, a podcast where each week my co-producer Hannah McCaslin and I invite a special guest to help us respond to one of the thousands of personal questions I've received on social media. In a world that teaches us that strength is loud, harsh, and masculine, this is a place for those of us whose struggle is both impossibly large and rebelliously tiny. Here's the question that inspired this week's episode. The message has been slightly edited to ensure anonymity. Do you ever get into one of those moods where you feel like changing everything about yourself? Style, personality, everything. I guess I just feel like I've outgrown it all, and it isn't who I am anymore. The problem is, I'm worried about how people react if I change too much, and I'm not sure I know how to change. I'm Bijal. I don't know what else to say about myself. <laughs> what are you doing right now? <laughs> uh, I live in Montreal, working here. I know you guys. I know Ryan and Hannah through McGill. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to chat. Cool. And I'm Ryan. I am a fifth year physiology student at McGill. <laughs> um, and Montreal, obviously. And yeah. I thought about you guys when we were planning for Rebelliously Tiny because um, Ryan published Mm -hmm. a personal essay in this online journal called The Empathy Journal, and I was reading it, and it was so great. I'm like, you're such a good storyteller. (laughs) Thank you. But it really reminded me of a lot of the messages that Ambivalently Yours receives and a lot of the different questions and and messages that we were looking through for Rebelliously Tiny. Hannah here, the co-producer of Rebelliously Tiny. Usually, I sit behind the scenes, listening in to make sure the equipment is working, telling people not to move or to breathe, or else the sound will be picked up by the microphone. I also help write some of the content we post online about the podcast. And I'm an enthusiastic brainstormer about all of the topics we like to discuss on Rebelliously Tiny. I really love every aspect of working on this podcast and find it such an important part of my life to be part of the step-by-step process. One of my roles is to look through the questions that Ambivalently Yours receives online and consider which ones would be a good fit to discuss on the podcast. 
I start thinking of myself or people in my life as I read through them. So in this episode, we invited two of my close friends that I met in undergrad to come help us explore this week's question. This question really reminded me of like a lot of things that you talk about in the essay you wrote about your mm-hmm. own experiences growing up in Cornwall, Ontario. Cornwall, yeah. Ontario. <laughs> the lovely little town. Um, and you talk a lot about how like certain aspects of your personality when you were younger, you kind of felt like you had to to keep them in secret. Mm-hmm. So do you want to like talk a little bit about that and maybe also like yeah, it's just your Yeah. yeah. So shall I like talk about the empathy journal in general and then like segue in totally okay well the empathy journal is an online publication at mcgill um that focuses around students emotional and mental health um it was like an initiative that my friend zoe started um just this year and actually our second publication just came out so read them (laughs) if you'd like to i think they're pretty great um so yeah i wrote a piece for them um just outlining like my own struggles with mental health and growing up and growing up gay in a very small town and how I really had to like change my personality because um, it was like a small conservative town um, and I was a little femboy growing up and yeah and then I was like uh, really worried about people figuring out that I was gay and like the consequences of that um, so yeah, for like a lot of years, I really like hid those aspects of me and just like tried not to, I like put them in a little, a little box and like sealed that box up with a pretty little bow and threw that in the closet and didn't deal with it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like something, I mean, this question is talking about like personality and style and these kind of like things that we how we present ourselves to others Mm -hmm. and those things can absolutely be impacted by like the environment we grow up in and Mm -hmm. race and gender and sexuality and like all these different things and um like unfortunately the context that we're all living in is one where like we're really rewarded only if we present ourselves in like certain ways that align with those like structures and values so that was something i really got out of your like out of your essay um, but I don't know if something that, like, you kind of can both speak to is, like, because you do say at the end, you were, like, I decided when I moved to Montreal and, like, started at McGill that, like, I wasn't going to keep those things mm-hmm. in that box in the closet anymore. Yeah. Like, well, that was kind of, like, the easiest way to do it because it was, like, a whole new world that I was, like, stepping into. And I didn't want to have to sit there and start, like, coming out to everybody again because that's mm-hmm. just, like not a fun process nobody's like "Ooh, i just came out like this is great well they do say that but it's like (laughs) the context is different no one looks forward to it you know yeah true um it's not like oh great i get to like come out to somebody again today Mm um so yeah no whenever i got to montreal i was just like i'm gonna live the way that is like most me i guess Mm. um but i also didn't really know what that was because I wasn't, like, living truthfully for a really long time. So there was, like, a lot of exploration there, too. But it was... I feel like when I first met you, it yeah. was... You just seemed so confident in yourself. Like, I... it's hard for me to believe that you came from oh. a situation where you were trying to hide yeah. yourself. And then I met you, and you were just... Maybe <laughs> you were drunk. 
It was. <laughs> yeah, uh, but <laughs> you don't remember. I don't I remember don't. the first night. That well, I do remember parts of it, uh, but you remember the insignificant parts. <laughs> 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 the significant part was beating, meeting Bijan. Yes, true. he remembers eating pizza. I do, uh, and I remember the lady who served it. Yes, but I did tell you my whole life story. And I you don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> Oopsies. Yeah, no, no, but like the impression that I got from you was someone who was just like so sure of themselves. Yeah, that was a very like fake it till you make it kind of thing because mm. I was <laughs> so insecure. Uh, I was freaking out, truly. Bijan, I know you grew up like not in a small town in Canada. You kind of have grown up in like a bunch of different places and like bigger like cities. Yeah, like a multitude of different places. Like, do you have a similar? Did Uh, you have a similar experience, or was it like very different because you were in different environments? I think it was it was similar in a way that I did really try and hide parts of myself. Um, And every single time I moved, I would be like this is my chance. I'm going to be me now. But then nothing changed Mm because I would always be put in an environment where, like, I just didn't think that me being open with my sexuality or even just with, like, how I wanted to be, which was a complete tomboy, I didn't think that people would accept that. And it was kind of only when I graduated high school that I was like, no, I'm just going to kind of be myself. And it paid off. But... Remember when you had long hair? Oh. (laughs) When you said tomboy, and then I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had long hair. Yeah. Yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. Cute. I feel like we've all, like, changed quite a bit since getting to Montreal, though. Yeah, for sure. You know? Because I feel like the first time that I met, like, both of you, it was, like, and, like, where we're at right now is, I mean, obviously, like, parts of us are still the same, but, like, very, very different. That's true. You've definitely changed. I got an earring. Got an earring. <laughs> Whenever I read the question, oh my god, yeah, I was uh, thinking <laughs> that this is like a, th- a three-week little baby here. Like I just got her three weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I read the question. It's just like, oh yeah, changing aspects of like your style or personality. I was like, I'm like still doing that to this day. Um, mm-hmm. It never ends. It doesn't. Yeah. I've seen that too. It truly doesn't. I'm about to shave my hair, so that's a big step. <laughs> are you- oh, just so you know, Hannah, I'm about to shave my hair. We're doing it right now after the show. No, Wait, are you live? I can't I'm real- No, I'm for real doing it, yeah. Like, I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> I support you fully. Oh, thanks, Hannah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I know, like, even we've talked about, like, when you were kind of like, okay, I'm going to, like, be an artist and, like, tell people. Yeah, that was, like, a... It was, like, after I went to grad school in art and then... But I, I've always been an artist, I get, but, like, calling yourself an artist seems so pretentious. Mm. And for a long time, I had, like, day jobs. So when you, you know, that those few sentences that you say to people when you meet them, when they're like, hi, like, what do you do? I would never say artist. I'd yeah. be like, oh, I work here or this or that. And then um, after grad school, I moved away for a year and then... Shortly after that, I went away to do an artist residency in Glasgow for three months. And and so I had to quit my job for that. And it was the first time where I didn't have a day job and I was really going somewhere just to be an artist. And that's when I like dyed my hair pink, which I'd been wanting to do since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> I finally like in my 30s, I'm like, I can do it now. <laughs> And I was in a new town where nobody knew me. 
a new country and it was the first time I was like hi like I'm an artist and it was really strange but also kind of fun to be able to just like reinvent myself and test the waters of how people react to like me being like I'm an artist because also I was leaving in three months so I knew like if it was like a complete like fiasco I could just like go back home you were and going, like, go back to you bye this <laughs> didn't work out the way I thought it nothing did. changed whatsoever when you come back you feel like a little yeah so I guess we could tell this person that you have to move <laughs> that's it you have to go, go somewhere new. else and use that as an opportunity and if you can't move you can get an earring or shave yeah. your head that's it but I feel like you, the scariest part <laughs> is how people are going to react to it I think that's what holds everyone back yeah it's, it's like, like such a scary concept like what if people don't like me yeah I change this part about myself it's like the fear of like looking stupid or like being perceived as different or weird yeah um absolutely like a huge thing i think yeah but it's interesting because like i wonder when like why is it that we feel like when we're moving we're like okay this is my chance but like even then the people who are really close to you in your life like who you really care about like your family like the people that you will remain in touch with like those people will still be there in whatever sense so it's interesting that like and like you would think that their opinions are the ones that we would like care the most about or like hold the highest esteem but like why is it then that when we move we're like oh it's like mm, time to time to change like this is my opportunity you know <laughs> so like I wonder how much we're worried about the opinions of people that we like aren't close to like that's true but yeah. I guess those are the people that will love you anyway so. yeah that's true and it kind of cushions the blow a little bit <laughs> you, when you move and then you change completely like no one's yeah. going to be yeah freaking out at something that you did because that's just new you yeah you know it's kind of like a new beginning. It's like a completely, it's like New Year's resolutions or whatever. On New Year's, everybody's like, oh, like I'm going to change everything about myself. I need to do this and this and this. But it's always, I don't know. It's like moments that are like clearly defined as like new beginnings, I think, or is just people really like to take advantage of those. Mm. I don't know. I think part of it too, there's like what other people are actually thinking of us and what we project on other people thinking mm. of us. those things aren't always the same most often they aren't (laughs) I always feel like people care so much about like if I make a change when really it's like no yeah (laughs) that's that's not how it is yeah it's mostly just coming from inside true and the other thing too it's like even if people do care if they care that much about like you know shaving your head or like dyeing your hair or getting an earring then like I don't know are those the kind of people you really want in your life yeah you know that's true Mm. right and yeah and like same with same with like however like you talk about in your story how like your kind of like general expression interests were met with opposition when you were a kid Mm -hmm. and like I just think we're like still so many different facets of society are like trained to like reinforce gender and like race and sexuality in really like minuscule ways Mm -hmm. that we don't even realize so like even if it's just like a teacher who like wants you to be social or something but like in turn gives you negative feedback when you're just like doing what you want to do and how like how much that can impact us for a really long time so I just I feel like the moral of the story is that like these constrictions of like gender and sexuality can be really limiting Mm -hmm. and like really unnatural feeling and just like 
yeah, it just, like, doesn't even make sense for the majority of people. <laughs> it truly doesn't. I feel like gender expression is becoming something so great because everybody's exploring. Well, I don't want to say everybody's exploring it. <laughs> I wish everyone would because that would be a great world to live in. But, um, I don't know, I think that a lot of people are exploring it more um, and just, like, testing the waters of, like, gender expression and... Mm-hmm. And just like expression and like of themselves in general, I think it's kind of great to see. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, and there was like one that I was watching, and it was uh, I don't know, it was like seven years old, and he's a drag queen, and I was like, yes, work, <laughs> this is fantastic. Oh, I think I've seen that. Did you? Parents are so supportive. Yeah, yeah, it's so sweet. I'm I like, cried. <laughs> I'm like starting to see changes like that, and it's really uh, heartwarming, you know. Mm. I love. Yeah, I feel like the more I learn about gender identity and, like, sexual identity, the less sure I am about what my identity is. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wait, there are these options and these options. And I feel like 10 years ago I thought I had it kind of figured out. Mm-hmm. And then the more I learn, the more I'm like, mm, I don't really think I know. Yeah. But that's also, like, a nice place to be, to not have to necessarily know 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so much more fun when you can just like appreciate and enjoy it all. Like, it's, yeah, like it's just limiting to like not be able to, like, truly. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that, like, is really such a like crisis these days with like masculinity and like toxic masculinity and like men feeling like they like cannot be nurturing and kind and, like weak mm-hmm. and it just like relates to that where like why why can't we all be like but whatever qualities like we want to value and like why does it have to be so gendered but yeah that's why and when do we change what is holding us back perhaps too often these restrictions are rooted in gendered expectations We expect people to look a certain way so that they can fit into norms of heterosexuality, of masculine and feminine. One or the other, never both, or part one and part the other. When people play with their appearance, this has the potential to be challenged. Dyeing or cutting your hair can contest what traditional femininity or masculinity is and what is traditionally found attractive by cis straight men. Judith Butler writes that popular thinking often relies on appearance as indicating gender. What are we losing? What do we restrict when we do not allow ourselves to imagine beyond or express beyond traditional notions of feminine and masculine? Maybe we could be having more fun, expressing ourselves in more ways if we weren't so restricted. Is there anything that you guys would say because I, I, I feel like one thing that also comes out in, like, your your story is how there can be really, like, negative impacts when we don't let ourselves change and grow mm-hmm. and express ourselves in different ways. So is there anything you guys would, like, say to this person, like, about, I don't know, just, like, maybe, like, taking care of themselves and loving themselves and, like, how that might relate to your outward expression? I would say, I mean, when it comes to, like, change and changing yourself as long as you're doing it for yourself you're not doing it for other people 
that's something that I've also found happens a lot in mm-hmm. especially the queer community at least in my experience there's like kind of an aesthetic that you're mm-hmm. people expect you to match that but as long as you're doing it just because like it actually feels good you don't think that you have to I think that affects a lot of the outcome how insecure you feel about it how like you know yeah if you're doing something for yourself it's gonna feel good no yeah. matter what other people think of it I for think. sure I think the other thing too is like you don't necessarily have to know like what you want to change about yourself or you know but just like test the waters of different things like try things out um like that's what I'm starting to do a lot more now too and it's like feeling really great it doesn't always work out no and that's totally fine yeah I think as long as you have like a decent support group around you and you can take some time to like self-reflect and don't be too hard on yourself either yeah you know Um, when you look back at old pictures of like phases that you went through just remember (laughs) there are so many bad ones True. <laughs> I look back at my like swishy bangs that I had in eighth grade. Yeah. Also, mistakes. Yeah, mistakes like that are kind of really fun to look back onto after you've grown. <laughs> so I would almost say that you should do like as many of those as possible. Yeah. So, like then you would have like Facebook albums on Facebook albums on Facebook albums of just like craziness. Yeah. That you can just like go back and be nostalgic to. Do. Right. Yeah. Share with your friends later on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Share with your grandkids. Some really good birthday posts that could be. Oh, no. Yeah. Some great pictures. <laughs> Listening to, like, podcasts by Brene Brown. No. Do you know her? No. Really great. She was, like, on Oprah, and I'm obsessed with Oprah. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> That's my motto. <laughs> um, no, but she speaks on vulnerability and how it's like a really courageous act, especially like in the society that we live in, where like, you know, you go out in the day and you try not to be vulnerable with people. You like throw on a suit of armor um, and just like try to protect yourself from everything. But like when you do that, you like numb yourself to all the good that there is in life, too, you know? Like you can't avoid feeling. Like, you can't have happiness without, like, experiencing some shame, too. You know, like, if you numb yourself from, like, shame and guilt and different things like that, then, like, you numb yourself of happiness, which is, like, you know, you kind of just, like, flatline your way through life, which isn't mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, I think, like, you really do have to hit the highs and lows of life to really get, like, that full, pretty picture. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, something that we really wanted to do in this podcast was, like, make space to talk about like vulnerabilities and say like this is just as worth like having conversations Mm. about and like just as worth Mm. making space for as other things like and yeah like there's strength and vulnerability and yeah Mm -hmm. easier said than done yes yeah yeah well you open yourself up to like a lot of yeah. Potential, I wouldn't say to like danger, but just like <laughs> it feels like danger. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like whenever you like really show who you are and then like somebody criticizes you for that or like doesn't handle it the way that you want, then like that can be really devastating. But yeah, and I feel like there's I don't know, there's there's definitely friends I can like name that I would not be nervous to change mm-hmm. myself. But then I also have friends that I would be like, Oh, I wonder what they're gonna think about that. Yeah, it really just depends on the person. I don't think I can really avoid having insecure thoughts when I change anything about myself. Like I'm, yeah, I'm definitely one to overanalyze everyone's reaction to everything that I do. 
So I feel that. Yeah, it's not easy. No. Um, maybe the two of you could talk more about how it's been like having different experiences like does that ever sometimes like make it hard to relate or do you want to speak on that first yeah i mean i feel like we have had very different experiences but the one thing that i really like about talking to you is that you actually let me explain and then try and understand where Mm -hmm. i'm coming from which is something that i actually don't get from a lot of men Mm -hmm. where i tell them that i'm afraid to walk home at night and they'll be like what why (laughs) and then (laughs) i tell you and you're like okay you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I feel like even though we have different experiences, there's like definitely an effort on your side, I hope on my side, but on your side to understand where I'm coming from, it feels really nice. Yeah. Well, I just like, like I don't have the same lived experience as you. And the other thing too is like, I think it's really important to go into these things, like trying to understand people better. Like, I don't want to sit there and be like no like this is how it is blah 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 blah. like your opinions aren't valid because it's just like it's fully unproductive and like also you're not learning anything from that like why would you like block yourself off to all of that Mm. um that being said we do have really different experiences oh for sure for sure i mean like you (laughs) being a woman and queer (laughs) and a person of color and then me being a white (gasps) man happens to be gay um like that's it is fitting to discuss the topic of change with people that we have known for a long time especially during a time such as university which is often the perfect opportunity to change maybe you're moving to a new place or at least meeting new people I know when I started school, I had dreams of changing my style, my attitude, developing new interests. It's interesting how there are times when we are expected or rewarded for changing, when other times it can be particularly scary or seem like it's not what we are supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, I also, something I really liked about your essay, Ryan, was like how you um, bookended it with you were kind of like when I was a kid I just wanted to like run around my room and like dance to like Shania Tween or whoever it was I'm sorry if I'm misremembering that it, it was Cher. probably it, it was Cher, Cher. yeah yeah okay but Shania was Twain sh- was in there in my childhood <laughs> so like you were not far off um and then at the end you're like yeah and now I like get to do that like whenever I well like whatever it's just like mm-hmm. and I just think that's like another form of that expression as well like it's not just the clothes you wear and like the like your haircut Mm -hmm. it can also be like what you choose to do with your time and like that might be singing along to whatever song or doing whatever and like you should fully feel comfortable doing that hopefully yeah try things out that was, <laughs> yeah. No, I that mean it's advice. simple, but it, it it's like true. It, sometimes you just need to like repeat these like simple things to yourself, like just just try it out, mm-hmm. and also to not worry so much about what other people other people are gonna misinterpret no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I had a doctor's appointment with a new doctor, and he's like, "So you have pink hair? Is it because you're like wild and crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like a middle-aged white man. Oh I was picturing him in my head as such. Like, of course, right? Yes. Did he say it in so many words? He was like, is it because you're wild and yes, crazy? Yes, he said, and I quote, wild and crazy. And I was like, um, no, I just like pink. He was like, huh, that was a very good answer. And then he like totally respected me at that moment, and we moved on and had a okay like ancient doctor interaction <laughs> in that moment i could have just been like really upset and offended but i was like you know i kind of felt coming in here with pink hair as a 30 something woman that you would be confused and i'm glad that you just like stated that you were confused way. we got mm-hmm. it out of the way i'm fine with my pink hair you don't have a choice so here we go <laughs> <laughs> i've been like actually yeah. I am wild and crazy. I'm very wild and crazy. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that. Like, you've told me stories a lot, too, about people, like, misinterpreting your artwork and people just, like, back to the color pink, like, immediately seeing pink and being, like, not feminist. Like, they just kind of can't reconcile that, like, a feminine color that's associated with, you know, I mean, realistically... Like, a lot of people do kind of project, like, gendered things onto color pink. But, like, to just kind of see a piece of work that's pink and just assume, like, oh, this doesn't have, like, a feminist message or, like, it can't because of the color it is. I think just people have a hard time with, like, femininity in general and anything that's associated to it. Mm -hmm. And anyone who, like, just embraces it, like, without being forced to. Mm-hmm. People just yeah. sometimes will assume like, oh, you just don't understand that you're being oppressed right now. Like, no, no, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what pink means. I still like it. <laughs> I still like feminine things. I'm also still a tomboy as well. Like, there's like a lot of complicated things that coexist. It's not just like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's pretty powerful to own that sometimes, too. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. So I guess, like, to this person that's worried about how people would react if they changed too much, I just say, like, well, some people will. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think you can change, even if you change a little bit, I don't think you're ever going to have everyone on your side. There's no. always going to be a few annoying people who mm-hmm. might overreact, but they don't matter. Yeah. One is compelled to live in a world in which gender is stabilized, polarized, rendered discreet and intractable. Performing one's gender wrong initiates a set of punishments, both obvious and indirect. And performing it well provides the reassurance that there is an essentialism of gender identity after all. That culture so readily punishes or marginalizes those who fail to perform the illusion of gender essentialism should be sign enough that on some level there is social knowledge that the truth or falsity of gender is only socially compelled. Judith Butler, Performative Acts and Gender Constitution. That's like a really important part of it too is to like make fun of these moments yeah. with your friends mm-hmm. and to like, like get at least that pleasure out of this world we live in that's so judgmental yeah. yeah it's just so ridiculous yeah to think about it's like truly one of the only ways that i've like gotten by it's like with humor because like you know 
there's some crap that happens, but like if you can point at it and laugh, then I just like, it doesn't, at least for me, like it doesn't have that same power over me. Like it doesn't seem so horrible. You own it. Yeah. Isn't that your motto? <laughs> that's that's, that's motto. my motto. <laughs> Everybody needs to laugh. It is true though. Humor is really important. Like not to belittle that at all. I agree. Sure. Yeah. And I just want to say that that question really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. When I read it, I was like, yes, this is, that doesn't change. It doesn't matter. I feel like I've grown as a person. I've become more confident. And yet that, it still happens. Mm-hmm. But you still get through it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like how they use the word mood. Like they say, um, they say, do you ever get into one of those moods where you feel like changing everything about yourself? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it is kind of, it's like a mood. Like sometimes you just find yourself one day where you're like, I wish I looked totally different. Or like, yes. Today, I want to, like, go do something that, like, I haven't done in a really long time or don't usually do. And, like, just, like, I don't know. I, th- I feel like the word, like, mood is a really good way to describe mm-hmm. what it feels it's like. It's definitely not a constant state. Yeah. There's usually something that will bring it on. You're like, I wish that I could change. Yeah. But... Yeah. Like a Wednesday, that'll bring it on <laughs> right, for me. Right, definitely Wednesdays. It's just Wednesdays are yeah. my mood. <laughs> 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 change everything today. No, truly, though. The piercing, shorter hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to bleach it too and get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I came home this weekend and my, my mom saw it for the first time because I didn't tell her about it. <laughs> right, and you like can't take it out, right? Because then I'll close up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so they're like, don't touch it for at least three weeks. So um, <laughs> I got home and I was like, so mom, what do you think? And she's like, at least your hair isn't bleached. <laughs> it's like, that's next. <laughs> <laughs> working up to Surprise. it one thing at a time <laughs> yeah but I think like to go back to the question like change is so important I think that's just like that's how you grow as a person and like it's it's a constant in life so it's not un- like it's completely normal to be feeling that way mm-hmm. I think it's really good just like try some things out test the waters of I don't know yeah I think it also makes you a bit more confident yeah the more that you change you're kind of like oh I can adapt mm-hmm. you know I did get through that yeah. I think it's a really great way of like meeting people who are like similar to you yeah we're like going through the same things and like you can find some really great people or just like activities that you enjoy or like an aesthetic that really fits you or you know yeah. don't underestimate yourself and if you don't like it you can change it back yeah there you go True. Or don't change it back. Change it to something completely different. Yeah. Just throw some glitter on it. That's it. Spend <laughs> <been> some glitter <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I feel like. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming to chat with us. This is really fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. If you want to read the piece that Ryan wrote, that's referenced in this episode. A Long Path to Pride. You can find it at theempathyjournal.com. This episode of Rebelliously Tiny was written, produced, and edited by Hannah McCasland and Ambivalently Yours. The music is by Greg Barkley. This episode was recorded in the field and at Obero Artist Run Center in Montreal with technical support from Stéphane Claude. A special thanks to the entire team at Obro for their kindness and support. To learn more about my work and this podcast, please visit ambivalentlyyours.com 
or follow us on social media at Rebelliously Tiny on Instagram and Facebook, at Rebellious Tiny on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit an anonymous question of your own, please send us an email at rebelliouslytiny at gmail.com or email us an audio recording of your question. You can also DM us on any of our social media accounts. If you would like to support our podcast, please share it with your friends and subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to make a financial contribution, please email us at rebelliouslytiny at gmail.com. This season is entirely listener-supported, and we are eternally grateful to everyone who shared and contributed to our Kickstarter campaign in the fall of 2017. Thank you.